Welcome to another episode of the Rental Journal Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the equipment rental industry. I'm your host, Mark Simonson, and today's guest is Maureen Mosdell. Maureen has over 25 years experience in the equipment rental industry and has worked at companies like Bramble Forklifts, Access Group, and today she's the Service Operations Manager at Source Machinery in Western Australia. Maureen also gives back to the industry through being involved in the Women in Hire Facebook group, along with the Hiram Rental Association Women in Hire program. Maureen, thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast today. To kick things off, can you talk to me about how you first became involved in the equipment rental industry? In 1994, I started at Bramble's Ryan in Canningvale as a parts interpreter. Had never worked in the industry before. As a younger person, I was always interested in cars and stuff. And, you know, parts interpreting seemed like an easy enough job and interesting. So I thought, well, I'll give that a go. I went for the interview. And by the time I got home, I already had a call saying, you're booked in for a medical tomorrow and we'll see you next week so that's how it all began and so when you went for a parts interpreter role like what company was it and did you know much about the industry beforehand um no i knew absolutely nothing about the industry i have always been kind of mechanically not mechanically minded but Mm. i like figuring stuff out and parts interpreting seemed like a good start like i'd ran a business with my first husband a lawn mowing round and part of that was just you know doing the books and liaising with customers and arranging times and collection of money and that kind of thing so I was a pretty nice kind of person and to go into spare parts I thought oh it can't be that hard you know I know one end of a forklift to another I'll give it a go and it just went from there brambles were pretty progressive I think back in the day um I was the first parts female parts interpreter to be employed there um and that was interesting it was always um working with the boys and as my knowledge grew my respect grew so that was good yeah so I guess a lot of the listeners or some of the listeners won't know what brambles is or was because it's uh it's sort of evolved over the years and have eventually switched over so maybe just want to give a bit of a an overview of what brambles was in 1994 when you joined the business okay when I first started there um they were called brambles Ryan they had brambles had bought out a privately owned company called Ryan forklifts out at Canningvale and they moved in over the weekend prior to me starting there when I started there there was quite a bit of them and us mentality because some of the people were from Ryan forklifts some were from Brambles so that was interesting to walk into because I was from neither but yeah it was just a slow progression to learn the industry you know from working in the parts department I went through to the service department to try and increase revenue for the company that was about the time that NACO wanted to take over NACO did end up taking over I went back into spare parts and not long after that, we went from a company of about 150 down to 17. We um, made the whole workshop redundant, spare parts department became redundant, and they were basically a service provider for the forklift industry, not the big corporation that they were. Okay. And so how did you eventually move from spare parts into service? Like, What was that progression? And how did that sort of fit in? You, you mentioned that you were the first female as well. So like, how did that evolve? Well, I think originally when they advertised for a spare parts person they weren't being discriminatory they just wanted to hire somebody and and I applied for the job and John Gooch the guy who employed me just thought I'd be the right fit for the office you know obviously guys are not 
that great into admin and data entry and having a girl in there, you know, to do front counter and the admin stuff and arrange stock takes. I think from their perspective, I could have been a valuable member of the team. And then as the company progressed and takeovers and things like that, every quite a few people had their role evolve. Um, it was really interesting to move over into the service department because like I'd had experience in organising stuff before, but not on the scale that I did there. My role in the service department was basically ringing clients who had their own machines and organising periodical maintenance and arranging breakdown repairs, organising the parts for those repairs, and then getting the tech on site to to complete the repairs. It was really interesting, but because it was a a period of rapid change as well, um, you had to be thinking on your feet and adaptable to to move wherever they wanted to fill a gap, I guess. And then so how did your career evolve in terms of your roles from there? Well, I was one of the last in the last group of people to be made redundant. And are you spending your Fridays doing manual data entry? What could you replace that time with? Closing more deals? Spending time with family? What if you found a platform that could give you back your time and you got to choose what you wanted to do with it? Arrow is the sales and growth platform built for you. A simple and powerful way to close big deals. Unlock your growth today and visit www.try.rentalarrow.com. Again, that's www try.rentalarrow.com. Now back to the podcast episode. I'd just become a single mum at the same time. So it was a little bit scary. And I was worried about, you know, how I was going to provide for two teenage children and pay a mortgage off and that kind of thing. But I guess you don't know your own worth. Other people see value in you that you don't see. And I was very lucky in that I was contacted by MLA in Sydney and various other companies. And once I had my resume done and sent out there, I didn't have any problem finding a job. The problem for me, I guess, was after working for a market leader, then you go and work for other companies who don't have the same processes in place. I found it a little bit unsettling and I did struggle for a little while. Like I went to a different, few different hire companies, forklift companies. And then eventually I just thought, you know what, I think I probably need a change. So I moved over into the overhead crane industry. Wow. So I guess a couple of things there, like you mentioned moving from a company that had like processes in place and procedures and everyone was sort of working through those processes. And then when you move to a smaller company where they don't have those sort of things in place, there's a couple of things here. Like one, did you try and sort of like align some of their processes? Because I feel like there's a lot of pushback sometimes with people that in smaller businesses. So how did you sort of fit into that sort of business model? Yeah, I did struggle with that. And especially being a woman, um, I didn't want to rock the boat too much. Part of it was, oh, you know, do I think I know more than what I know? Or I just didn't feel it was my place to go in and, you know, be that person to go, oh, you aren't doing it right. Let's do it this way. Um, And I wasn't in that kind of senior role to make those changes either. I was always, you know, like a background role and you know I was younger and just thought oh you know what if if it didn't feel right I'd give it you know three to six months and after that period if it didn't feel right I would just look for the next next position because you sort of get that feel you know whether you're going to last in a place or not and I just never felt really comfortable going to smaller places where they didn't have all those processes in place and things like that 
Whereas now it'd be different because I've got more confidence in myself and the industry, you know, with a bit more industry knowledge and, and have been to several bigger places that have amazing processes in place. And now I'm in better positions where I can put those changes into practice and, and make those changes. So, yeah. That's amazing. And so where are you working today? Uh, today I'm at Source Machinery. I've been the operations manager for service for nearly 12 months. Wow. And yeah, so it, it talk me through the journey then. Like you, you mentioned confidence was one thing that you sort of gathered over the, the recent years to sort of help understand more and apply those sort of things. So that confidence, is that is that something that you think is a struggle for a lot of women in the industry? I think it is. And I think a lot of that comes from, you know, you go into a workplace and there might be half a dozen women, but they're would be 60 guys working there and rather than you know just sticking with all the girls sometimes it's good to put yourself out there and make relationships with the with the guys in the company because they will help you as much as what the women will you know they'll teach you things I've got um, apprentices here who will come in and say to me oh Maureen you know how I was telling you about that thing that always goes wrong with the machine I go yeah and he'll explain it to me and I love that because you know I'm not a technician but I'm in charge of these guys who are um, so it's good to get that feedback from the boys and for them to share their knowledge as well. And I guess part of my confidence came, and I'm going to say probably 90% of my confidence came when I was working at Access because they're a very progressive company. They believe in um, women in the industry and they offer lots of resources and training to enable you to become the best version of yourself. That's amazing. That's Access, Access Group, yeah? Out of, uh... Yeah, Access Group out at Canningvale. Awesome. And so what, were you, what was your role within that organisation? Um, so I started off there as, you know, the, not the junior because I wasn't young, um, but the, the new girl in the office, just taking the calls, um, making sure that the bookings were in the system, adding fuel to hire contracts at off hires and making sure they were ready to invoice. Um, I was there for about two years in that kind of role. And then I was offered the hire manager position. And that's when all the training and um, confidence building happened. Wow. You've got so many years of experience across multiple companies as well, I think, which I think is a great testament uh, and, and a great learning curve. Like when you reflect on all these years working in the industry, which is 20, 25 years, like how does that sort of make you feel? Well, it actually makes me feel um, pretty proud. Like it's about the position well, over a lot of years is is knowing about what's happening in the city that I live in. You know, oh, the, this shopping centre's going to have this happen and we're building a new hospital there and, you know, this is what's happening in the city and, you know, things like the Ritz-Carlton, the first six-star hotel in Perth, we helped on that project, the Perth Children's Hospital, lots of things, you know, and it's great to be a part of that. You, you drive it in, go, we, we had machines there and we supplied machines there and oh, I knew the guy who did that part of that job and, you know, that's that's one of the most rewarding things. Um, also, um, you know, being in the industry so long and not having had formal training, while I was at Access, I was offered a formal traineeship in Certificate 4 of Frontline management and training that was that was really good it was hard because you know at 50 you you're not used to training uh studying and learning and all that you think you know everything but to put pen to paper and formalize those skills that was that was good and also um you know you make a lot of friends out of people that you work with I've still got great friends that I worked with at Brambles 
and you know lots of other places that I've worked at still keep in touch with those people and that's one of the most rewarding parts as well awesome and so if you could give some advice to women that are entering a male dominant in- industry like construction in general what, what would yep. you say to them well my first bit of advice to them would be to back yourself you know like as women we have great skills already that we can adapt to that industry like organization great personality interaction skills phone telephone skills you know that kind of thing we can adapt a lot of the things that we do in our normal life into a into a work life and a lot of women in the industry I think it's their job to encourage other women to come on board you know a lot of it's scary because you think oh, I'm working with all these guys, they're going to give me a hard time. But if you know your stuff and you've got personality that can interact with a lot of different types of people, this is the industry for you. You know, it's not definitely a male-dominated industry per se. There's a lot of women in the industry and it's growing. And I think women should encourage women to come on board because it's not it's not as scary as you think. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's like women encouraging more women. But then when you talk about companies as a whole, like I know there's certain companies out there that have like targets that they want to have more equal uh, roles within organizations, uh, male and female. But like, how do you think yeah. the the industry as a, as a body can attract more women? I think a lot of companies are these days, you know, like the way they advertise their positions. Women these days, you look in workshops now, there's electric electricians, there's diesel mechanics, there's like vehicle mechanics, you know, that the girls these days are are not as, I wouldn't say as girly as they used to be, but they're more open to different types of employment and roles to carry out. And companies these days, I feel, are doing a, a better job than what they have in the past. But it's also, you know, women just pushing themselves to make that change and, and not stick to the stereotypical kind of roles that they've had in the past. Yeah, and I think education is a big thing. I think the more we can educate women in general that there are there are roles out there that you can fit into and, and the opportunity is there. And as you mentioned, it isn't as scary as you think. It's all these preconceived thoughts uh, oh, before jumping yes. jumping and taking the, the dive in. Yeah. Well, a lot of the roles in the industry are office-based. A lot of women work in offices, but they might be for different kinds of industries and those skills are transferable and the the construction industry is is stable you're always gonna you know they're, they're always looking for good people and look at the period through COVID where a lot of industries had to close down but the construction industry didn't you know so the longevity of your role could be secured by being in this industry rather than say retail or food or tourism or you know any of those kind of industries that really suffered through COVID. Yeah and, and what about what about and I guess this is more of a broader topic but mums that want to get into full-time work in construction as well because I, I feel like there's still this this pressure for women around having like raising kids and all that sort of stuff and, and obviously you've single parent working through all of it like what advice would you give to those those mums that are trying to or single dads or whoever it might be that are trying to sort yeah. of manage that at the same time oh look the hardest part I found um, as a single parent or even as a you know parent with young children was you know it's always it always seems to be the woman who's the child minder or the child carer 
and you know if someone's sick or one of the kids is sick it's usually the mum that has to take the day off because her job's not as important and that kind of thing I found that to have a great network around you so that you didn't need to be as worried about your children you know like I was very lucky that I had a girlfriend who had she had four children and my two boys were sort of in between all of their ages and I would just drop them off to her at seven in the morning and go and pick them up at four she would be there every day because she had her own children and if my children were sick it didn't matter you know so that took a lot of the pressure away from me was knowing that I had that good support network around me and I think that would be the same for anybody. You know, I know it's tough for anybody working that has children because they're your first priority. You want to make sure that they're fine. But you've also got to make sure that you're going to work and putting food on the table and a roof over their heads. So I guess for some people it's hard to find that balance, but I didn't struggle because I had a good network around me. Yeah, I think it's a, probably a good point to say that it's, it's okay to ask for help as well. Yeah, and, and that too, you know, like there are, you know, I remember back in the Brambles days, I was really struggling. My mum was quite ill and I was at work and I got in trouble for making personal phone calls and I was called into the office and I said, look, I actually thought it was better to come to work today and make a few personal phone calls. My mum is really sick. I've got a lot of stuff to organise. And the conversation went along with, well, thanks for sharing that personal information with us because we did know and we're sorry that we had a crack at you for taking personal phone calls you know because the other option was oh I'll take a whole day off work to to go and make those calls so you know just I think it's also important like you say to share some of your personal life at work so that people know what you're going through and they've got that little bit more understanding um because you know I felt bad that I was making personal calls at work but I would have felt worse if I'd taken a whole day off so and just understanding you know what your work colleagues are going through not sit there every day and have a half an hour conversation but you know just little bits of information to let people know what you're going through so that or what they're going through so that there's a, a mutual understanding of well Maureen's not at work today or well, I know why not oh it's random and you know what a surprise she's not here she never takes a day off but just sharing some personal information with your colleagues, I think goes a long way. Yeah, uh, some good advice, good advice. So what is your involvement with the Women in Equipment Hire Facebook group? Oh, so that's really a lighthearted group where you can share information, frustrations, opinions, experiences, things like that. I find it really good. Sam's good at putting up, you know, the it's Friday, let's, you know, or how has somebody dealt with this situation and we all put our two bobs worth in, so to speak. I mean, we all have different ways of dealing with clients. My preference is to be totally honest, even if it's probably not what they want to hear because, you know, it's nothing worse than having someone waiting for a machine to rock up on site and you've promised it there at seven and you know it's not going to get there till nine. I would prefer... My style is to ring that client the day before and say, look, this has happened. I'm sorry, but this is how it is. And you actually gain more respect that way because they can work around that rather than, you know, you think, oh, well, it's only two hours. They're not going to make a big deal of it. They're on site at seven and at five past seven, you're going to get that phone call. So me, I'd rather preempt and be honest and upfront. Mm. And, you know, then people can work around that deal with me as well. <laughs> 
Yeah, of course, of course. Honesty and um, what is it? Not over-promising and under-delivering. Oh, and one of the things I used to say to my team at Access was don't promise something that you're not delivering. You know, like um, a client would bring a breakdown in and, you know, several times I'd heard a member of my team say, oh, we'll get service onto that straight away. And, you know, there'll be someone there within the hour and I go, well, are you organising that? No. Well, don't promise what you're not delivering. So, you know, it's all about how you communicate with your client because um, it's much better to say, look, I've got all these details. I'm going to pass that on to service. They will be in touch with you because it's their area of accountability. So much better for them to be promising what, what they can deliver rather than a member of my team promising something that may, may or may not happen. Mm. Definitely. So just touching on the, the Women in Equip, Equipment Hire Facebook group again, how yeah. important do you think that there, it is to have these types of groups or these these um, mentor groups, if you want to call them? I think it's great because it doesn't matter how much experience you've got or how long you've been in the, com- in, in the industry or at a particular company. There's always something that you don't know and you don't want to feel silly by bouncing it off, you know, maybe someone who thinks that you should know better. So it's good to, to put it on there. You know, you get young girls who say, oh, how can I manage this situation? Um, and everybody will put their opinion or thoughts on there. And then that person's got a variety of options to to think through you know um it's good just as a a place to vent a place to ask information a place to put information and a place of support you know like it's always good to know that there's somewhere where you can ask or vent or information and it's you know private groups so we're all in the same kind of industry we all know what we're all going through and we've got similar kind of issues and celebrations and you know good and bad things that happen to us so it's good to share that yeah definitely yeah look i think mentorship and just knowing that there's other people out there going through the same challenges as you is important absolutely and you know there's more than one road to rome we all have different ways of dealing with those kind of things as well you know it's good to have a different viewpoint on how to resolve things so let's talk about you for a little bit more so who do you think played a big influence on you from a mentor perspective well this was a really good question um because over my working life I've had several of them and you know all of them are very um important to me because I feel they've made me the person that I am today one of my first jobs I worked for a couple and they had no children uh they kind of took me under their wing they were an amazing people, amazing couple. The husband was a JP and the wife was um, a legal secretary and they decided to give all that up and they bought a little deli and, and I went to work for them there. They taught me lots of good stuff like getting to work on time. <laughs> very important you don't realize that when you're 16 that you know that's important they taught me how to save you know like every week dad said to me on how much are you paying yourself today you know they taught me how to save so that was a really good lesson in life they sold that business and bought the london court coffee lounge i went to work for them there that was great i learned a lot of um, customer service skills you know just lots of different different skills that they taught me there then when I was at Brambles, my direct manager, a fellow called Merv Jones, he was a lovely guy. He um, was a family man. He was a working man. And he used to give me lots of good advice. You know, um, he taught me how to run a stock take. He taught me how to 
deal with difficult customers and he was just an all all round great guy you know I've still got a lot of respect for Merv he's probably mid-80s now haven't seen him for a while but I think of him quite often he was very much um he looked after me you know that was when I was in spare parts I was the only girl there and he, he was great he was a great great guy to work um then I worked with a fellow called Terry Cork he used to work at budget forklifts here in Perth he worked at Brambles but not in my time and I just knew him through the industry and he offered me a job over at Allied Forklifts. That was great. I didn't work there for very long because um, it was a bit far from home. But Terry gave me lots of good tips on, you know, just keeping notes and notes of conversations that you have with people to validate things that have happened, you know, like because if someone's going to say, oh, well, you didn't tell me that it was going to cost this much to service my forklift, so I can go back to the to the quote and say, well, I remember we had a conversation on the 5th of December at 10 o'clock in the morning and you told me that you were happy with that. When you go back to someone with that kind of detail, they can't argue with you because they've got nothing. They can't say, oh, well, no, you didn't because you've got the facts right there. Um, Another thing that he taught me was uh, to fit Friday at about 2 o'clock. We wouldn't take on any extra projects. We'd finish off and tie off that week so that when we came in on the Monday, we're all ready to start afresh and, and move on. I carry that practice with me now because uh, sorry easy to mesh one week into another so it's good to have that line in the sand where you can go okay this week we've done this and we've achieved that and we've finished it and then we can move on to the next thing when I went over to access I had a couple of different mentors there because it's a big company there's lots of umbrella companies my director Will Riley amazing guy believes in giving people the resources to do their job properly, has faith in his people, which is which is amazing, and offers the training that you need, you know. So if I was struggling with any aspect of the role, whether it be an Excel spreadsheet or dealing with difficult staff or difficult customers or supply or any spectrum of the business, he was there 24-7. And also John Jones, the, the owner of Access, he supported women in the industry which was amazing you know like there's lots of female apprentices at access lots of you know they've got a general manager who's a a lady lovely lady I was the hire manager there for eight years I don't think any woman has worked at that kind of role at that company for that period of time and you always felt supported at that company because there was lots of resources there a couple of great things that at Access. One was the Tri-Z program, which was the Lean Management Program, which, I mean, we all know that communication is important, but that Tri-Z course or the QCDSM really brought home a lot of things and refined my customer service skills and how you run, you know, a higher office because communication is is key. If you can't tell someone that what you're doing is holding me up, I need you to do this so it doesn't keep happening, then you're never going to get a smooth sale. So as far as I'm, you know, I think that, have have you ever been involved in the Tri-Z? No, I haven't. Okay, so it's a three-day course. They give you a whole pile of parts and it's basically a Meccano car and everybody is sitting around a table and you build this car so everyone has a a part in the process of building this car so by the end of it the car should run smoothly right if it's built correctly Mm -hmm. but if there's one in the chain that doesn't do their process correctly then the car's going to not go 
not going to drive correctly. So that mentality is put into practice across the business. And, you know, if one person's not doing part of their process in getting the order, the machine ready, the the transport organised, the delivery, that kind of thing, it's going to fail. So it's about the importance of letting your team members know that this is the process and refining processes along the way to get the end result as smoothly as possible. Um, And Tony Robbins, have you heard of Tony Robbins? I have. Yes. Part of um, my learning growth at Access was I went to Sydney for three or four days and did the Tony Robbins course and it was Unleash the Power. That was amazing. It was life-changing. It gives you a bit of clarity about why you do what you do and how to make the best of what you do. Really good. It's amazing. I love that you you go through various mentors and you, and you go in detail about some of the big things on how they influenced your career. I think that's a great way that to reflect as well. I think you probably enjoyed having the time to reflect and think about it a bit more detail as well. Yeah, yeah. And part of the Women in High program, I don't know, I heard Aileen was touching on it and she talked about the DISC profile. What an amazing bit of information that is. <laughs> I've never had the DISC profile done before I was at Access and I had it done a couple of times. And it basically, you get to know yourself and why you why you behave the way you do and why other people behave the way they do and how to interact with those people people that was definitely a life changer for me wow yeah no i loved how much she she went in detail about that and it is something that if someone gets a chance they should definitely put their employees through the disc profile because as you mentioned that all comes back down to communication how can i communicate with my team members to ensure that we can get to the end result uh without sort of burning bridges and making people upset and yeah understanding people better well when you get two headstrong people like you get have a two two d personalities and they're always going to butt heads but but knowing that you're both that kind of personality you take that into account and go okay well if someone was approaching me like that how would I want them to deal with it you know and then Mm. insight and how to deal with other people and also you know you have the other people who who need to think things through like I'm fairly think quick and on the hop sometimes you need to make decisions fairly quickly and they might be the wrong one but you've got to make a decision and it's like okay we'll do it this way oops that's the wrong decision okay plan b and get on with it you know rather than sitting there thinking things through. I know we all do things differently, but certain roles demand that you have a certain disc profile, I guess. Mm, Yeah, and I agree. And so if we reflect on all that, like if you could give some advice to your younger self, what would you say? Oh, I definitely would have put my hand up for more accountability and responsibility earlier. I think, you know, when I first started at Access, I'd never really had any management roles. I was, you know, parts interpreter, I was running, you know, looking after service allocation and that kind of thing. Um, But it wasn't until I was at Access that I became a manager. And that was really a turning point for me. And to to be in that role and know where I came from, it gives me every bit of ammunition to encourage other women to come into the to this kind of industry. I didn't finish high school. Like I finished school at year 10. My dad basically as a single parent said to me, oh, you don't need more education because you're just going to become a mum. You know, and that was like, whoa, dad, settle down. Like I'm not ready to become a parent yet. And it wasn't until I'd had children that I thought, oh, let me try a career, you know, and I was 30 before I even worked in an office. I'm 58 now. So, you know, 28 years of parts interpreting and working in a male 
dominated industry, I think has made me, well, most definitely has made me the person I am today. I love what I do. I love working with men. They're much more, I don't even know what the right word to say is, but they're easier to work with than women. Women probably overthink things too much, whereas men just get on with it. And, you know, if you're a woman in this industry and, and you know what you're doing, you get respect. And that's what I like. And it's easy to knuckle down and and get that knowledge and have passion for what you do because you can see things happening and you can make them. And that's what I enjoy. So when you reflect back on that comment that your father made, how does that make you feel? Well, you know, my dad died when I was 21. So my first son was six months old. So he was right. Yeah, I did go off and have children. But after that, you know, I think he would be really proud of me. I think he would go, oh my God, I thought you were just going to be a mum and, you know, work in a jelly or a dress shop or something like that all of my brothers were boilermakers or welders they were definitely all tradesmen and that's you know I just thought that's what you do Uh, not that I'm a tradesman but I really liked this industry and I liked working with men because they're just more open and honest than what a lot of women are and I think that's because women don't have the confidence and they care more (laughs) what people think about them so they're just that little bit more reserved Mm. yeah I see I see what you're saying there And then reflecting on all that again, like how would you then define success? Success to me personally is going home at the end of the day and knowing that I've made a difference. I hate it when I go home and there's something still hanging, you know, like problem. And I don't like that. I'll go home and I'll think about it and I'll send myself emails so that the next day I've got all these little reminders to jog my memory on how to resolve the issue. Um... I really enjoy teaching people, you know, like part of the Women in Hire program, I was a mentor for two years. That was really interesting to see a lot of young women come into the industry. They've got so much passion, so much desire. All they need is the product knowledge and the world is their oyster. You know, like all they need to do is back themselves and and there they are. And I like to be part of that. And I also love that I've got clients that I dealt with back in the Brambles days who still call me now. I know that you know, so can you help me? You know, and I like that. It's good to have relationships that you've had with people for 30 years. They're not your friend, but they know that you know your stuff and they're always going to come to you. And to me, that's like a feather in my cap because if I wasn't good at what I did, if I didn't have passion for what I do, I wouldn't be able to maintain those relationships. So to me, that's really rewarding. And I I define that as success as well. And another thing I think of as success is I've never been sacked. <laughs> but, you know, I know a lot of people, you know, just don't last very long at jobs. But if I've not lasted at a job, it's because I didn't want to be there or I felt there was something better or more important for me to do in my next job. And I think that's you know, important because it's good for your self-esteem as well. And it's also good on your resume that, you know, I've always made the decision to be where I want to be, not someone else is making that decision for me. Yeah. And I just love the fact that, you know, I've built a lot of great relationships with customers who are friends and people that I've worked with who are friends, because, you know, when you're at work 10 hours a day, you don't get much of a social life, (laughs) you know, so you've got to pick up friends where you can, I guess. And they just yeah i love hearing your story it's so so refreshing to hear your passion coming through from your experience in the industry and and then love hearing about you 
even calling customers friends as well. So I, I think that's a, a great, again, testament to where you fit into the industry and, and the difference that you make uh, to the industry as well. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> All right. Well, Maureen, I just want to thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. Uh, thanks, Matt. You're welcome. <laughs>